This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by Evan Grant. And on the phone, our old pal, David Moore, who's on vacation, uh, and he's go- and he's working anyway. He's coming on the podcast with us. David, we love that. We love having you on, even though you're on vacation, sitting around the veranda, drinking Mai Tais, smoking cigars, having a great old time on the Riviera. The bond I feel with the two of you is so strong, it cannot be broken by vacation. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is a beautiful thing. Evan's tearing up. That's just Although, I really, I don't want anything night. to do with either one of you over the next three or four weeks, but, but I will do this one. Wow. Okay. All right. Just this once? Okay. Just this one. So, so David, we had uh, uh, Cowboys uh, mini camp. We had OTAs. We had mini camp. Um, we had all kinds of things going on out there. Most of it written about uh, whether these guys really deserve the money or not. I believe that our our buddy uh, Clarence Hill in Fort Worth wrote that uh, that the latest proposal from Dak's agent was that was thirty four million. Um, do you, do you think it's going to take 34 million a year to get him signed? Well, look, it's going to be in the 30 to 35 million range average, but then you get into how it's structured, what the, what the, you know, what the signing bonus is, what part is guaranteed, uh, what the incentive structure is, um, you know, the, the Carson Wentz deal, what was being initially reported and what it may wind up being are two completely different things. And my understanding was that uh, the Carson Wentz deal was 60 pages. A contract 60, of 60 pages. pages. So in, yeah, so it, so it really lays out, because again, initially everyone's going, wow, if, uh, you know, if, uh, if a quarterback who's been injured and, and missed this sort of time mm-hmm. in the first part of his contract can get this deal from Philadelphia, what in the world will Dak Prescott get from the Cowboys? And that's a that's a legitimate initial response, but now that Moore is starting to come out uh, about Carson Wentz's contract, uh, you can see the protections that Philadelphia has in place that have accounted for uh, the, the, the games he's missed, and if he misses at that level going forward, how it really reduces what the average of the contract is. And and the other thing to keep in mind, too, is like when, when you hear like uh, Russell Wilson and um, you know, you hear Carson Wentz's contract and, and you hear these numbers, you're hearing the extension and you're seeing like, oh, my God, well, Carson Wentz is getting a $32 million average. Uh, of course, uh, Dak Prescott has to get at least that. Um, you know, that's the, average, that, that's the average of the extension 
not the average tacked on to the final year or two of the existing contract. And so, like in both of those cases with Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz, you're really talking about contracts that average over the length, you know, when you're looking at where they are right now, contractually bound to win the extension in, you're talking about, you know, contracts in the $28 million average. Now, I understand that's still uh, very generous, and most people will roll their eyes and go, oh, my gosh, only $28 million, not 32 but it, But it does make a difference, and, and because I don't think anyone was really arguing whether or not you know, Dak Prescott should get an average of 28 to $30 million based on where the market is. And the other thing we've talked about here, too, and I think this makes Dak a little bit more difficult than the others, uh, is that he has been so, so much underpaid relative to performance the first three years of the contract because he was a fourth-round pick versus a first-round pick. So... Uh, one, that works to his benefit in that he's in the final year of his deal. Uh, it's not a five-year deal like other first-round picks are. So he, he will get that new money a little bit quicker. But um, he has been underpaid. And, and you know, I, I think his representatives are, are going to want to make up for what he has been underpaid to this point. Now, strictly speaking, from a management standpoint, you can say, well, look, that's not our problem. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick because no one took him in the first three rounds, so why should we, uh, you know, we're paying him going forward reflective of what he is. Why should we be penalized because we drafted wisely and uh, got good value for where we took him? But all of that being said, I, I think that, uh, I think both sides are, are closer on this rather than farther away. I just think it's a very complicated contract to do. So here's an issue uh, that you know, and I and I've been down with the, them giving Dak a contract um, because I believe what he has built and what the Cowboys are building are are something that is good enough to to do that. I read something the other day that makes a makes a pretty valid point, but I think it would be something that you'd have to look at also across the board, not just with the Cowboys, but with the rest of the league as they're giving contracts to quarterbacks, and that is this: Dak Prescott is not an elite quarterback. He does not lift up uh, the team when he has uh, inferior parts. And when he has not had uh, Zeke Elliott, he's not been as good. When he's not had Tyron Smith, he's not been as good. That he needs these really quality parts around him. And, of course, we know the Cowboys have always invested heavily in their offense. They certainly have in draft picks for the offensive line and in salaries for the offensive line. And they're also going to want to pay Zeke Elliott. They've told us that. We don't have any doubt about the fact that they're going to want to re-sign him as well. So the point is, is that couldn't you just couldn't you just go out and draft, according to this, this story that I read recently, which made some valid points, couldn't you just go out and draft a quarterback in the first round because the, the last – couple of drafts, uh, the quarterbacks have been drafted in the first round, last three or four, I guess, that most of those quarterbacks have done reasonably well uh, already. Couldn't you just do that and be paying less for a quarterback, in other words, in the you know, two, three, four, five million dollar range, at least initially, and until you get to a point where the, then if a guy's going to be commanding a $30 million salary, 
you can make the, the judgment of whether you think he really earns that and deserves that kind of thing. I think that is a, uh, a little bit easier uh, policy to adopt at positions other than quarterback. Um, I, I think there are a few pr- premium positions on a team that uh, you, you don't mess with. You know, you know, we've had this argument about running back before. Is is as crucial as Ezekiel Elliott is to the success of this team. I think because what he does is so dependent on a good offensive line, and you feel you have a good offensive line in place, that you would be closer to optimum level if you let an Ezekiel Elliott go and went out and got another running back than quarterback. And, and I say that because there is more to the quarterback position than having uh, a great arm and being able to throw X amount through the air. Uh, it's how your teammates interact with you. It's uh, how, whether or not you rise to the occasion, whether or not you can look bad in a certain situation uh, for most of a game, but when the game is on the line, you make plays that, that allow your team to win. And at the end of that game, maybe your stat line isn't so great, but on the drive where you needed to do something, you made plays. And I think what we have seen from Dak Prescott in these first three seasons is that aesthetically fans may sit back and go, oh, how could he miss that throw? What is his... You know, well, what are his mechanics here? I mean, that, that's an easy throw. Oh, why, why didn't he throw that, that back shoulder fade there? He has no touch on that. Uh, but you also have to acknowledge that with games on the line, uh, he significantly uh, performs. And, and he makes plays in key situations that allows his team to win. And really over the last three years, no one in the fourth quarter has led more comebacks or, or more game-winning drives than Dak Prescott. And, and that's something that statistically you can't dismiss. But aesthetically, I think you go, oh, well, see, that's why, well, if he was better in the first three quarters, you wouldn't need him to do that in the fourth quarter. So but to me, that's where you get into the argument about Dak Prescott. But you have to step back and say, okay, is he performing? And look at him uh, and compare him to Carson Wentz and, uh, you know, Jared Goff, uh, who, who all came in together. And, and those other two quarterbacks also had periods where they didn't look uh, as good as Dak. Dak had his period where he didn't look as good as those other two. But when you step back and look at the numbers overall, he compares very favorably uh, with those guys. So I, I think... I understand the argument, but I, I think it—I think it's really riskier to do it. If you're going to make a move at quarterback, you better have a guy in place that you like. And if you don't have a guy in place that you like and you're convinced can do the job, I don't know that you can just turn over that position because I think you're opening yourself up to potentially a, a pretty long period of searching for that replacement. Yeah, that's kind of my my line about that has always been quarterbacks are like jobs. You don't give up one until you got another. Um and, and, and how do you do that? How do you how do you go out at this point and draft a first round quarterback, uh, and then uh, have him sit on your roster, you know, sit on sit there and then how's he gonna get to play? How's he gonna get to practice? We know how it works in practices. The 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 number one gets all the reps, 
Uh, the backups get very little. What are you going to be able to tell about a guy in that position who has not been playing? You know, there's just a sure. lot. Uh, there, there's just a lot going into all that. I, I do. I do think. And, 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 and you are saying now. You are saying now. There's a difference in the league where, you know, before you very much had the, you very much had the mindset of look, you draft a guy, let him sit there, uh, certainly one season, but two or three seasons if needed to understand the game and then put him in. You no longer see that because of the salary cap by and large. I mean, you, you draft a quarterback to play him, if not immediately, sometime within that first season, you want to turn it over to him. And so you're seeing a difference in that standpoint, and you're seeing a difference in the model in that, you know what, well, this makes sense because if we hit on a young quarterback, well, in those first four to five years when he's at a reasonable cost, that's when we can put the best team around him. So you know what? It's not about letting a quarterback sit and having season, as they used to say, and, and you get better as you go along. It's about, you know what, this guy needs to hit the ground running and we have more salary cap flexibility to put a better team around him in his first five years than we will in his second five years. So we need to maximize this. And I think that's why there's such a sense of urgency with the Cowboys this year, because this is really the last year on their window as far as Dak being at below uh, below market value cost with above market value production. Evan, would you like to say something about uh, this conversation? I thought, I mean, I just felt like we had already settled this. <laughs> I felt like the idea was that it was going to cost between thirty and thirty-five million dollars a year to sign Dak Prescott, and that. Um, well, it started out at it started out in, in at, well, it's, it's been going up. The longer it goes, you know, it's like Michael Irvin says that they, you know, the longer you wait, uh, the more it's going to cost you because these other quarterbacks are going to get done. Right. I, I think what what is offensive to fans is that you know, and this is always bugs me about about uh, fans is that you know, you, you don't understand the market. You know, people are making more money now. People are always going to make more money. It is. It doesn't mean that this person is better than that person who, who was making half as much twenty it's years ago. It's about timing. Yeah. And when things come up, it, and you know, that's the that's the bottom line on that. That's just what the market is right now. And it's like you guys both say: if you if you decide, well, Dak's not our long term answer here at this point. Then you are taking a significant step back. You are. There, there's just, just to me. There's no way you add a quarterback at this at this stage. This is a team that won ten games last year. Went to the second round of the playoffs. Uh, and even though, if you watch that game, it didn't feel like it was close. They lost by nine points. You know, it was uh, the the Rams ran all over the Cowboys. The problem wasn't offense so much as it was the defense couldn't stop the Rams running game. So, uh, it, that ran counter to what you'd seen over the course of the season. Yes. Now, now, now I will say that defense wore down as the season went on, and that's uh, what, why you've seen them throw so many bodies uh, in free agency and the draft at the defensive line because uh, they are an undersized line. They are going to wear down where against the run. But then you get into how many teams are really built to run, and the Rams were really – one of the few teams that were built to run and could have done that to their defense. So it, it was a matchup thing, and it was their defense 
uh, eroding as, as the season went on. But, um, yeah, and, and the other thing real quickly, just going on, you know, market realities, everyone can say now, oh, the Cowboys are costing themselves money with Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott by not signing them sooner, and, and you jump out ahead of this. And, and on one level, yeah, you can say that. But one... Why would the player jump in too early when he knows the market's going to continue to rise? But two, say the player did, and he jumped in and Dak said, you know what, I just love being the Cowboys so much, I just want the security. Uh, and he would have gone in last year and signed an extension. <laughs> uh, now suddenly he signed an extension that was $27 million. And now suddenly the market's at 32 34 Well, and it's just going to continue to go up. What's going to happen is you're going to renegotiate that contract before it reaches its conclusion anyway because it's so out of whack with the market. So you can be too far ahead of the market in getting a guy, uh, just like you can be too far behind. And I don't think people take that into account often enough. All right. So we so we feel like that they're going to – well, we know they're going to resign Dak. That's just going to happen. They're, they're going to they're gonna give him another contract, and it's going to be in that 30 to $35 million range. And, uh, and we'll see what happens with him. I, I, you know, I don't feel uh, – I, I do feel like some of the things that have happened with Dak uh, this, uh, this spring and, and early summer that they've worked on with him are things that uh, are good. Because as we've noted in the past – Dak's never been a practice quarterback, not the kind of guy who really dazzles you in practice. I'm watching. I'm watching. I only went out there for one, uh, uh, the last day of minicamp, and you're watching. Uh, I'm watching Cooper Rush throw balls down the field. And he's throwing a beautiful ball. You know, it just it, he just hit. He's hitting guys on the run, and it's and it's just terrific. It looks looks great, and that's never been Dak's thing. Certainly not in practice, but he has looked better this spring and summer. Wouldn't you say? That's what's so striking about from from what we've seen. We we saw six practices. Um, Dak Prescott was was accurate and on target all six of the times we saw him, and that is unusual for him. He's a guy who, uh, again, remember go back to his first season. We were doing like a, a Dak Prescott Jamil Showers watch early in camp yeah. because you know who was going to be the backup. Uh, to Tony Romo, and and really there were days in camp where Jameel Showers looked uh, better uh, that rookie year. But boy, as soon as you got to the game, uh, the preseason games, I mean, there was no there was no comparison. And and you know some players are just that way. And and Dak will tell you that that he's used practice in the past to work on the things that he doesn't do well to determine whether or not he can still incorporate that into his uh, repertoire during a game. Um, you know, he's not afraid to look bad in practice because practice is a place to get better, uh, and that's where you're supposed to look bad as you're working things out and determining whether or not you can use them going forward. So some of that uh, I think we've always seen with Dag before, but because of that you've always seen an erratic performance, and, you know, well, while he may look good two or three days in camp, there was going to be that third or fourth day where you just went, eh, he, he didn't have a good day. Every time we saw him uh, this offseason, uh, he was really on. And, and he talked about it a little bit after that last day of minicamp, that this is the, the best he has performed 
in practice for a prolonged stretch he feels uh, in his career. And I think uh, a lot of that has to go with uh, John Kitna uh, and, and the footwork and the positioning that he's getting back into. And just the fact that Dak's been in the lead for three years now and, and he's very conscientious and, and he knows the things he needs to work on and, and takes a very uh, disciplined approach to working on those things in the off season. But you're starting to see, you know, the other thing he said is now it's just that he's making decisions quicker. And uh, Jason Witten uh, said the same thing, uh, seeing him after being away for a year and coming back, that uh, he's just making those decisions quicker. And that's something that needs to happen because of those 57 sacks last year, uh, which was the second most in Cowboys franchise history. Um, I think you can, you can equate, you know, you can assign 13 to, to 16 of those sacks on Dak Prescott specifically for holding on to the ball too long and not making the, the proper decision. So uh, he, he has a hand in this on, uh, on, on better uh, protection as well. And, and I think you're, we've seen signs at least in, in these, this offseason that he is making strides there. I just I I need to step back on something just for a second. I, I mean I thought this was semi again handled at the end of last season, and and to hear the conversation right now, there's this this conversation. Uh, can the cowboy to boil it right down to one of three conversations that you ever have about whatever sport it is, and in football it's this: uh, Can the Cowboys win a, a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott? And I thought we came away from last season. Um, having seen the rapport that he developed with Cooper, um, having seen improvement, that the idea was he was a good enough quarterback to take this team to a Super Bowl. Agree or disagree, both of you? Well, I think we we both agree with that, or we all agree with that. I, you just said, and I'm sure David gets this. I get it uh, from readers on on social media, on in emails, whatever. Oh my gosh, this guy's uh, he's just an average quarterback at best. And you see a lot. You see a lot of it into in the in on in in the mainstream media as well. I mean, I was just looking at something just now that, that ranked ranked Dak as the 14th best quarterback in the league. They got they got Baker Mayfield over over Dak at this point. And I don't know. We have enough information about right. Baker Mayfield to say that he's that much better than. I Dak. mean, I think we went. I think we went through this exercise on the podcast uh, a couple months ago. And we we went through the top ten quarterbacks in the league, and we said he'd be kind of on the outside. Yeah, uh, I put him in the ten range. I put him right around. I'd put him somewhere ten, 10. to fifteen. Mm-hmm. But with all the other tools that the Cowboys have, this is a team capable of winning a Super Bowl. Correct? Yes or no? Yeah, I think so. David, don't you think so? Yes. Now, but again, I think this argument still continues. One, because you're talking about what he's going to be paid, right? And, and people disproportionately attached to that whatever that number is, determine, like, if he's going to be the second highest paid quarterback in the league, people are going to say, well, that's ridiculous. He's not the second best quarterback in the league. Right. Which, again, is not about these, what these that's not that's Yeah, that's not the argument. Yeah. That's not the argument. And, it's, it's, and, and two, yeah, yeah. And, and two, I think um, there's just a large percentage of fans out there who are going to say, how can you say he's that good? He hasn't gotten him past the second round of the playoffs. He's only won, you know. How can how can you say this? He he's only won one playoff game. I mean, he's and, he's an imperfect quarterback, but at, at the same point in time, he's got enough assets, and the and the team has enough assets that they can 
they certainly could, should be in the Super Bowl conversation from the NFC. I, I think to me, talking about you know readers, fans, whatever, it, basically what you're going to find is that they they always react to what the last thing that happened. They they, they don't look unless unless it's just, it's just a fan who's just a nut about a team and just loves it no matter what. You're going to see the fans say that if you know this team went ten and six last year. And and I get a lot of feedback from people saying that oh there's no way they'll do there's no way they'll do that as well this next year the schedule's more difficult uh, and and to me it's like how could you not say this team was pointing up I mean you if you're the biggest and I've criticized the Cowboys plenty and criticized the job that Jerry Jones has, has done building teams but this is a very young team that won ten games last year there's no reason to think this team wouldn't be better this year even with the schedule you know being a little more difficult. Uh, I, I, to me, I'm, I'm going to say that they're going to go 11 and five. That's going to be my prediction for them this year. David, I, I David, haven't, I, I, I haven't looked at the schedule. It's more closely. difficult, but they started three and five last year. Right. right. No, and, and wound 10 games and yeah. won 10 games. And, uh, they were certainly a different team with Amari Cooper than they were without him. So look, this is the, you know, this is the best overall team that the Cowboys have fielded on both sides of the ball. Well, I want to say, you know, you're probably I going back to that that Super Bowl run. I mean, I'm not saying this is, this team is assembled a Super Bowl run a nucleus because because that has to play out. But really, you go across every position. The only position people will go, well, you need to be better would be at safety. But but not only do you have quality players at every position on both sides of the ball. You have pretty good depth at every position on both sides of the ball. And uh, this team hasn't been in that position in a long, long time because they haven't been that good in the draft. But this team has been very good in the draft since 2014, and now you're seeing the benefits of it. Yeah, I I agree with that. I just feel like there's there's certainly uh, an ability for this team to the rise of the occasion, and 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 of course, as we know, anything can happen. Uh, they could they could struggle. They could uh, you could have some key injuries. You know, anything can happen. But let's just face facts. We're all Cowboys homers here. Go Cowboys! How about them Cowboys? <laughs> oh, Evan! Evan just <laughs> fell off the deep end on us there. Well, I well, I just I I mean honestly, I don't get you what for I don't twenty minutes, and that's what you had. <laughs> I honestly just don't get the level of conversation that we have from fans on certain things in certain sports and the level of debate over over is this guy a Super Bowl quarterback or not just gives me, you know, to borrow a phrase that's used way too often in in, in radio these days, you know, it gives me the tired head because I, they've won regular season games with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, they've beaten good teams with this guy. I don't know that he is a great, great quarterback, but you don't have that. There's a reason why there's so few great, great quarterbacks, right? Yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at Super Bowls and who's won them, and I looked this up last year, and I can't remember exactly what the final tally was, but you know, obviously. You you got Tom Brady, you got Drew Brees, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got some of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game who who've gone and won Super Bowls in the last twenty years. 
But you've also had a lot of guys who were not. You had yeah. also had Joe Flacco. You know, yeah. you you've also you, you you've had guys from, from Yeah, not, he may not be he may not be a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. No. I, I, I do I do think that that Dak Prescott is good enough to win a Super Bowl for you. I don't think there's any question about that. I think it's a question of what they uh put around him, uh which I think uh, as we've seen his numbers improved dramatically uh, after Amari Cooper came on board. Uh, could could a, let's let's say Tony Romo? Could Tony Romo have done more with this team last year with lesser talent? I, I think that's certainly a possibility. It depends which Romo you're talking about, too, well, right? That, and that's true. And that that was the thing about Tony Romo. And that's the that's my issue with quarterbacks in general. I mean, Dak is going into year four, correct? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, well, year four Romo. Well, probably would have starting to play in year four. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the the issue for me. Was, well, I mean, year four is a starter. Here, here's the issue to me about Tony about Dak Prescott, in which you you don't get into these arguments about him. Uh, and then this is what David was talking about a little bit earlier. Dak's a very careful quarterback. He's the kind of guy who's not going to risk a lot of things. He's not going to throw the ball someplace. That's I think that's one of the reasons why he's been so slow to react and get rid of it from the pocket is that he wants to make sure that nothing bad is going to happen here. Hold on just a second. Tony Romo was a quarterback who said, hey, you know what? I'm throwing this ball. Right. I'm going to take this chance, and maybe it's going to be great, and maybe it's going to be awful. But there, what we saw over the course of Tony Romo's career was, and he never became a careful quarterback, no. but he became a little bit more careful. And what I think we will see over the course, I mean, he, Dak Prescott's never going to be Brett Favre. I mean, no. he's never just going to sling it, fling it, and do whatever he wants to, you know, and some of that's good. Some of that's bad, and some of that's good. But he will, I think, as you enter year four as a starter and in, in year five, especially when you're still and as athletic as Dak is, you become more confident in when you can take a chance yeah. and when you can't. That's true. I, I do think all those. These, this is the year. There's no real excuses for Dak now. If he does not pl- have his best season now, if he stays healthy, and the and the team around him stays reasonably healthy. There is no reason why he shouldn't have his best season. You know, he is he should be moving up. He should not he should Correct. not be at a plateau his trajectory here. Trajectory right now should be yes. upward. There's no question about that. And I, and I have every confidence that he will. I just think that he's that kind of quarterback. He's you know, he does have a, a great mindset. He is a very bright guy. He's a very hard working guy. He's dedicated. And this is what when David was talking about earlier, these are all the things you're looking for. It's not just a matter of what are his skills. I mean, does he does he throw the ball really well? You know, you know, you can you can you know that's one of the things that that uh, uh, I've blanked on his name. Uh, Kitna John Kitna has has done with him. You get his shoulders turned right. You get his feet pointing the right direction. You know, then you're going to see better throws, more accurate throws. I do think that that's a lot of it. If you 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 talk to quarterbacks and talk about you know what they watch when they see Dak throw the ball. It's like yeah, he's not setting himself up properly. There are quarterbacks who don't have to do that. Right. Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys. Right. He can throw on his head, throw throw a great ball. But, but again, I I just have to caution people. You know, the the chances of getting Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Or he's a generational talent, right? I he mean, is a generational skill talent. set is is generational. It's once it's once in a decade. Um, and you're not going to have a guy like that. And Dak has certain aspect, assets that that make him capable of winning games. Right. Now, I, I want to ask you this, David. Who do the Cowboys open up against the, the regular season? Uh, the Giants. They, op- 
Giants again, yeah. Yeah, okay. Giants at home. So check back with me after the Giants game, and I will probably reverse all the opinions I just <laughs> made. Um, but I, I, I just want the reason I'm so like bitter about all this stuff. I just have to share this story with you guys. So in Boston last week, we were we were there. This is where you had all the lobster. This is where I had all that lobster. Yeah. Um, we're there during the run up and Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay, and uh, I'm listening to radio that was on in the press box in the afternoon before Game Seven, and one of the Boston radio stations, I'm not going to mention the call letters, um, the hosts are, before Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals, are debating whether or not if the Bruins win or lose, if they lose, is this season a failure? <laughs> and I realize it's Boston and they've set a precedent, but man, that's a hard way to live. Because my point here is, Winning championships is extremely difficult. Getting to championships is extremely difficult. And I know that Cowboy fans and Ranger fans and, you know, it's it's been eight years since the Mavericks won an NBA title. And so Mavericks fans and Stars fans, all of that. But it's hard to win championships. And the Cowboys have a good team. And they could have the best team that, they, like David just said, they could have the best position team that they've had since 1996. And they could still lose in the first round of the playoffs. Right. Because at that level, they're all good teams. And a lot of it doesn't have to do with quarterback play at that point or, or, or Zeke or any of that. When you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Hold on a minute. Let's write that down. Yeah, I know. I, I, I just was so infuriated by the fact that, you know, you have to respect the idea of a, of a game seven in any final, right? Because yeah. it's it it is the ultimate last possible day of the season, and if a team is playing at that point in time, that season has been a success, and fans need to appreciate that. I think that you know I don't want us because here's the the danger of what we do and what we're doing right now is we're letting a few people right. A few fans, a few uh, media people dictate uh, our, our emotions about this. I think if you, I think if you saw the great majority of Cowboys fans, they, they're probably all excited about the season and, and excited about what's going to happen this fall, and, and ex, you know, excited about all of it. You know, there are, there are just a there is a group that that are, in generally speaking, I think it's an older group uh, are going to feel like they remember. Troy Aikman. They remember right. Roger Staubach. They remember truly great quarterbacks. You know that was, uh, that was I was struggling. also when the league was seventy five percent was was seventy five percent as many teams as there are now. Right. Well, it's not only like and the playoffs but, were a lot less. Well, you didn't have a, a salary cap back then either, and so you could spend a lot of money, do whatever you wanted to do, and, and stockpile players and keep them, and you didn't lose them in free agency and all of that. So there was yeah, it was a lot of different rules we played by. I thought it was interesting what David said a while ago about you know the comebacks. What was Roger Staubach famous for? Comebacks, comebacks. That's that's what that's what everybody loved about Roger Staubach. Right. For some reason, we don't love that as much about Dak. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that the difference in, in those two things. Now, now listen, Roger. I, I don't well, want people to don't love it as much because they haven't won a Super Bowl with Dak. Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah, you know, th- th- then you're then you're looked at completely differently, and, and, and it's not. Look, let's go back to his rookie year. Um, yeah, Green Bay. 
they were 13 and three, number one seed, didn't win a game, but Green Bay beat them on an outstanding throw from Rodgers to Jared Cook that set up that game-winning field goal at the end. Mm-hmm. They came back from an early deficit and put themselves in position to win. Uh, Dak wasn't on the field when the significant, most significant play came, right. but uh, he did not get his team past the second round, and, and I think that's. I, I do think there's an underlying level of frustration. You're talking about, you know, older fans are going, well, they haven't done this, but you know, there's there's a whole generation of fans that have never experienced the Cowboys moving past the second round. Right, absolutely. So their perception of the Cowboys is, why do ever why does everyone talk about this being a great franchise? They've never they've never even played in a conference championship game. This right. is just another franchise, right. and uh, so I think there's that level of, of frustration very near the surface that that interacts with whatever success they do or don't have, and kind of taints how you view them. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I think you're absolutely right. So, uh, so the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl, right? Until we they see better. what happens against the Giants. <laughs> I predict after that we'll have sixteen conse- or seventeen consecutive weeks of are the Cowboys a Super Bowl team this week? <laughs> this week on are the Cowboys a Super Bowl team and yeah. is Dak capable of taking them to a Super Bowl? Yeah, absolutely. All right, David. Dak listen, got all that money and they're only two and two. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna because I'm gonna figure out how much money he's making per game and then per snap, sure. per pass, per, per completion. completion. Per 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 interception, <laughs> you know, we'll have that all down. It'll be great. There you go. Very good, <laughs> David. Have a great time on your vacation. Uh, we're not going to make you come back oh, next God. week. Uh, have a good time and uh, be sure to put out. We'll put out there though that you're gone, and so all the burgers can come by and uh, and the victimize y'all while you're while you're gone. Oh well, thank you very much. That's very considerate about that. Oh sure, we, we've got a big burglary. Um, uh, demographic. <laughs> we do a lot of a lot of burglars when they're waiting when they're waiting for when they're casing houses. A little crime talk there. Like when they're it. casing houses, happy they, we have a demographic. they yeah. fire up the bossy podcast <laughs> right. to pass the time. Woo, doggies. All right, all right, David. So we'll see you. You have a good one. Have a great summer. We'll see you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Okay. There goes David. You know, you have to let David go because otherwise he'll just talk and talk and talk and talk. Just like you. It's just like uh, me. Oh, no way. I only say very insightful things. I get in and get out. I talk in sound bites. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, Brian did not buy that. Look at Brian in there. He, he, he Brian actually fell asleep during that podcast. Well, I'm super you duper know, cranky I, today. I wrote this in my article. Oh, I said it was something I looked up. That's why I was trying to – couldn't remember what it was. I am so. super-duper cranky today. Are you really? Yeah, I didn't sleep well last night. Oh, came back to your own your own bed and you yeah, didn't sleep I know. well? And I just – I did not sleep well. And oh, um, it's really left me kind of um, uh, foggy-headed more than usual. More than usual, yeah. Um, yeah. And I got to get it fired. I got to get it fires moving up there and – you got to see the smoke rising from where the fires up in my head are starting to move because I'm a little bit foggy headed today. I think you had too much lobster. There's a lobster hangover. I think so. Yeah. Wasn't that a song? Who was that sang that? Gloria. B52s. No. The lobster hangover. No. 
No, that wasn't it? No. There was Rock Lobster by the B-52s. Was it really? Yeah. I did not know that. It's the greatest lobster song ever written. <laughs> I would have assumed that Jimmy Buffett had written a song about lobsters. No, he had an album called A White Coat, a Sports Coat and a Pink Crustacean. <laughs> that was the name of the album. Yeah. But that's as close as I think he got to lobster in a song. Most of his songs, the seafood in most of his song is shrimps. Shrimps? Shrimps. <laughs> You know, you know the shrimp is the plural too, don't you? <laughs> it's a collective. Kevin, man. I'm not doing well. Man. I know. I gotta you're, admit it. you're foggy headed. I might need. You know what? I might need an enchilada. All right, let's go get one. All right, everybody, meet us over at Pepe Mitos in about uh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So long, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.